1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing all of us with health and strength. Safe out here again tonight. Lord, thank you for the wonderful day you blessed us with in your house. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to come and gather at a church in your name. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. Lord, help us so we could never be uh, take for granted, uh, be forgetful of the things you've done for us. Lord, we could always give you the honor and praise. Lord, most of all, if there be a lost one here among us tonight, Lord, I pray that today could be the day of salvation. They could accept Jesus into their heart before it be everlasting too late. Lord, help us. As a saved, Lord, that we could go out in the community. We could be that light that you would have us to be, Lord, not for our honor and glory, but for your praise. You would help us. We can never do or say anything that will bring shame or reproach upon your great and holy name. Lord, be with us in the service tonight. Help us as we uh, dive into your word, Lord. Pray that you'd help us if we could open our hearts, that we might be willing and also able to, to receive what you would have to say to us tonight through your word. Forgive us of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I have preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. This is not the first time that these people had heard about Jesus. This is not the first time that these people had heard uh, what, what the Bible said and what God wanted them to do. This is not the first time they were introduced to this. And, and I believe in my heart that I'm, I'm not talking to anybody here tonight that's not familiar with their Bible. And I'm not talking to anybody tonight that's not familiar with our God and not familiar with how great he is. For those of you who are not familiar with my wife, uh, if you look at her, I married up. I married up big time. And I know it every day that I did really, really good. And I try really, really hard to hang on to her because I can't do any better. Whenever we accepted Jesus, we married up. Whenever we accepted Christ in our life and the Holy Spirit became a part of us, we, we went up. For those of you who play video games, we leveled up. For those of you who watched the, the LSU football game the other night, they went up in the standings. They were better off. There's not a single day that goes by that we are not better off without Jesus, that we are not better off without Christ, that we are not better off knowing that anything and everything that we do in our life, God not only has a purpose for it, but God wants us to excel. At anything and everything that we do. But a lot of times we, we, we get to the point that we don't quite realize exactly where we're at. And, and it says here, at, at that last three words, it says, wherein ye stand. I went to a Chris Tomlin concert last night. For those of you who don't know who he is, he wrote the, the Amazing Grace song, uh, My Chains Are Gone. Uh, a lot of really good worship songs. It was an absolutely wonderful night. Uh, the, the man has touched a lot of people and reached a lot of lives. And he, he said his main goal in the, the music that he produces and the, the songs that he writes is to get people to praise God. Because a lot of times that's what we miss. Uh, we know where we stand. We know the, the gospel. We know the Bible. We are familiar with it. It's not something we've never seen before. We know how great our God is. I try real hard to wash the dishes so my wife don't have to sometimes. Because I know how great she is. And I'm not comparing my wife to God. I'm just trying to get across a point. I know how wonderful she is. I know how hard she works. So sometimes I try to help her out. I say thank you. And so sometimes we, we, have, to, we have to stand back and we have to say, God, thank you. 
But Brother Doyle was telling us about the tire he hit on the way home from the mountains. Brother Doyle, Doc, God took care of you. The, the fact that, that not only you didn't uh, turn your van over, but you didn't take anybody else with you. God took care of you. My wife had 18-wheeler tire, and, and, and she managed to stay on the road, and she didn't take anybody else with her. God took care of her. Each and every day that, that we stand up and we're able to draw a breath, God is taking care of us. We live in the, in the South. We live in Louisiana. God takes care of us. Even if we're without power for a few hours or a few days, God takes care of us. What do we do for him? Where do we go for him? How, how far do we uh, try to declare the gospel unto other people? No doubt we have the greatest news that, that has ever blessed the face of the planet. We have Jesus. There's nothing else that, that we can say. There's nothing else that we can do. We have Jesus. And the Bible says to go. Go into all the world. And that, that commission is to the church but it's not just to the preachers, it's not just to the pastors, it's not just to the deacons, it's not just to the men, it's not just to the adults, it's to everyone. The Bible says go. The Bible says go. And so here Paul is, is declaring unto these people, he's, he's not just telling them, he's not just writing them. He says, I declare unto you the gospel which I have preached unto you, so you're already familiar with it, which also you have received. So not only have these people been, been told, they've been taught They'd also received it, and they knew where they were at. If you would turn with me to Psalms in chapter 37. Psalms in chapter 37. Keep your Bible open. We're going to do a lot of flip-flopping tonight. Uh, I, I can't help it. I, I flip all over the place. So if you would, turn with me to Psalms in chapter 37. Now, there was one person that had a lot to, to fuss and gripe about. David was one of them. He really was. He, he was uh, uh, amongst a big family. No doubt not always appreciated, especially being the, the small kid that he was. And so he, he didn't probably didn't have the best of childhoods. And then he, he got anointed as king. But Saul didn't want to let him be king. And so he, he spent years in hiding and, and years fighting, and, and he stayed true to God. But, but if anybody had something to fuss and complain about, David did. And then he messed up, we all know about it, and uh, he lost his, his kid. David had stuff to fuss about, didn't he? Psalms in chapter 37, is a, it says in my Bible, it's a psalm of David. And, and, and here David shows us some contrast. He said that he could take either direction. David could have chose to go whichever way he wanted to go. He could have chose to, to give up on God and say, I quit, I'm done, I'm sick of this. But he didn't. Each and every day we have an opportunity. We have a choice to where we can either give up on God. We can stop. We can call it quits. We can throw our hands up. We cannot praise him. We cannot thank him. We cannot spread his word. Or we can do what he would have us to do. We can keep our life in the center of his will. And, and Psalms 37 is, is kind of a, a, a center of the road. Which direction are you going to fall off the fence onto? to? Uh, verse 1, it says, fret not. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither... Be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord. He said, don't worry about these people. Did David have opposition? David had a lot of opposition. Half the nation of Israel and the king. He said, fret not. He said, verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. So he told us what's going to happen to the evildoers. He said, they'll be, they'll be cut down. They'll be wiped off. He said, if you do good, verse 3, so shalt thou dwell in the land 
and verily shalt be fed. He said, you'll be took care of. God takes care of us every day. And if we stay in the center of his will, not only will he take care of us, he said he'll feed us. And we're all guilty of eating too much. So we see the, the evildoers. And then we see what, what, what happens if we do good. Verse 4, it says, delight thyself. And so if you choose that, that, that path of, of not wanting to follow God, of not wanting to stay in the center of his will, of not wanting to declare his word, they said you'll be cut down. And it may not even be in this life. You may live a long, prosperous life. But the Bible said that you will be cut down. That is a promise. And whether it be here in the year after, you will be cut down. He said, but if you do good, he said, if you do good, thou shalt dwell in the land of verily be fed. You'll be took care of. And he said, if you do delight thyself in the Lord, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. That, that, that word delight there is absolutely wonderful. Uh, a few things that he tells us that we have to do here in, in, this, in this psalm. And David was, was singing this. He said, delight. In verse 4, he said, commit. In verse 5, he said, rest. In verse 7. Those are things that we have to do if we're going to stay inside the center of God's will. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Sometimes the worst thing for us is what we want. It really is. I know if God would have answered all my wishes, I'd be in bad shape right now. Really bad shape. He says not only that, it's, it's conditional. Not only can we fret not if we stay in God's will, but we have to delight ourselves in his, in, his, in his word, in the Lord, but then we have to commit. And that's a, that's a kicker for everybody. We have to commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. A lot of times we struggle with this one, not because we're not committed to, to making church to church every Sunday or even every Wednesday, but church ain't what God's all about. Yes, this is where we meet. This is where we worship him. This is where we uh, receive the spiritual food. But if we're only worshiping God, if we're only committing to God in church, then we are missing, gee, we're missing a big portion of it. The Bible says here to commit, this is talking about committing our life to Lord, to the Lord. Not just our Sundays, not just our Wednesdays, not just our week of revival, our week of Bible study, but it says committing thy way. Commit thy way. How many people can tell we're a Christian by watching us? Many people can tell that, that we're church-going people by watching us. Now, I saw a bumper sticker or quote or something or other one time, and, and I always really liked it. It was beautiful. It said, uh, be careful what you do, because you may be the only Bible somebody ever reads. And it makes an awful lot of sense. Everybody don't come to church on Sunday mornings. The people that we're exposed to, if... If it's school or on the job site or, or in our everyday community, even in our family, they may not make it to church. And so the only way they're going to see the God that we put our trust in, that we put our eternity in, is through us. It's through our life. And so not only are they to see that, but if we are committed unto the Lord, we're also going to tell them about it. Because you can't go wrong telling somebody about Jesus. If they slap you, you did your job, walk away. It may happen. Not everybody's going to want to hear it. But that don't stop us from, having, from going out and telling them. 
That don't stop us from committing everything that we do in the Lord, not only that, but trust in Him. Anybody ever, ever rode in an Uber? Just me and Emily. I went to Indianapolis this past year with a, a FFA group, uh, me and two boys and her, and uh, we parked our car in this garage, and parking was crazy up there, and so the only way to get around was these little scooters, which were cool, but then it started raining, so the only way we could get around was Uber because we didn't want to lose our parking spot. And so you set up a little app on your phone, and you tell them where you're at, you tell them where you're going, and they'll send somebody to pick you up. And, and I, didn't, I didn't think about it, but one of the kids asked me on the way home, he said, Coach Cooper, did, uh, did you ever think about them people was getting in the car with? No. And, and some of you may have rode in taxis. It's the same concept. We don't think about the people we get in the vehicle with. If you've ridden on a subway or a train or even an airplane, you don't, you don't pay attention to the pilot. I saw a Halloween costume. It was an a airport pilot pulling a bag of luggage with a, a blind stick, walking through the airport, trying to make a point. We don't think about the, the people that we put our trust in. A lot of people use the analogy of, of the church pew. You didn't test the church pew before you sat down. And yet we, we struggle and we, we have difficulty with trusting in the Lord. We try to do it ourselves. We, we try to, to force things and we, we give up too quick and, and we wonder, Lord, why? When God said, just trust Him. A uh, 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 quote that, and Brother Joe was here a while back, he probably used it because he, everywhere I go, he, he says it. He says, God sees tomorrow better than we see yesterday. Why can't we trust Him? Why can't we depend on Him for our every need? And I'm not talking about, oh, Lord, take care of it. I'm not talking about laziness. I'm talking about in our everyday life, once we commit ourselves to Him, trust God that he will take whatever it is that he wants in our life and he will do good with it. Because if he tells me to go, I am to go. I'm not to question. Not only am I to go, I'm supposed to do. It says here to commit and trust also in the Lord. And then the last verse 7 it says, I'm sorry, verse 6 and he shall bring forth righteousness as the light and our judgment as the noonday. He said, if you trust him and you commit good, we'll come of it. And I've heard a lot of preachers say, well, well, this man come to me 40 years later and, and said that, that I had an impact on him. We may not know in this life how many people we touch. We may not. We may not know how many people we impact. No doubt we definitely won't know. Because it's amazing what the little kids can pick up. I mean, these little kids, two, three, four, five years old, they'll pick up words, and a lot of times you don't want them to say them because they heard them from somebody they shouldn't have, and, and they'll just grab everything. And those are the people that's watching us. And so if, if we commit and we trust, it says that he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light. He said it'll, it'll bear fruit. It'll do good. If we stay in the center of his will, verse 7, rest in the Lord... Not only rest, but wait patiently for him. And in them next two words, is that's a hard one. Fret not. That's the second time we've heard that tonight. Verse 1 said, fret not. That's, that's, I'm young. That's old language for me. I don't, see, I don't say the word fret very often. But it said, don't worry. Now, I've often used the, the analogy that 
that there's only two things in this life that you should worry about, uh, two kinds of stress you should have. And that's the, the things you can't do nothing about. Well, there's no use in worrying about them. God's got them. And then there's the kind that you can do something about, and then you shouldn't worry about them because you just go out and do it. And so in all reality, we have nothing to worry about. And, and we bog ourselves down, and, and we, we often get overcome with things of this life whenever God said, if, if you're committed to me, if you delight yourself in me, if you are praising me, if I am yours, I will take care of you because you are mine. And so if God is in the center of our life, if God is the one thing that we put before everything else, if we commit, if we trust, if we rest, we have nothing to worry about. Because we have a God that is greater. We have a God that can touch it all, that can reach it all, that knows it all and can do it all. So what do we have to worry about? We only need to serve Him. That's it. We don't need to worry. We simply need to serve Him. Turn with me to Psalms in chapter 150. Psalms in chapter 150. Very, very unique Bible uh, chapter. Very unique. Never seen another one like it. This is talking about the greatness of God. Not only that, it's, it's telling us how we should view the greatness of God because there's no doubt in, in my mind and no doubt none of your minds here that, that God is great. We see it every day. And, and the more you look around, the, the more you see and the greater you see God. But, but we see God great until we praise Him for being great. And a lot of times we'll, we'll kind of squint your eyes at the people that's, that's clapping their hands and, and praising God and shouting. We have a lot to shout about. We have a lot to praise Him for. It says in verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for all His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise Him with the mighty timbrel and dance. Praise Him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him above Excuse me, upon the high sounding symbols, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. That's an awful lot of praising. That's more praising than I've done today. And it shouldn't be that way. That chapter should not be more praising than we've done today. Unless we don't have anything to praise him for. For that, we're going to flip back to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. What am I looking for? I should have underlined this. Verse 13, it said, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is vain. If you have nothing to praise Him for, then, then, then it means that you don't believe in the resurrection. If you do, then you have something to praise Him for. We all have something to praise Him for. Even if one is here and lost, praise God that you're still alive, that you have another opportunity. If we have lost in our family, praise God there's still a chance. Praise God there's still hope. For those of us who, who are saved, praise God that we had that opportunity. Praise God that there is hope. Praise God that he's given us a chance not only to, to live together with him, but to witness to other people so that they can too. 
Because the Bible's not supposed to be just for us. It's not supposed to be just here at, at Central Baptist Church. It's not supposed to only be at, at Baptist churches. The gospel's supposed to reach everybody. And how is it to do that if, if we don't spread the word? If we don't do our job in praising him. If you would turn with me to Job in chapter 42. Job in chapter 42. I'll tell you what, that's, that's another man who had a lot to fuss and complain about to God. If anybody had a right to, to give up, I, I do believe Job would be on that list. But you and I both know that Job didn't. Job lost everything he had. Uh, my, my dad's house burned when he was a kid, and he'd tell us about it. He said they, they, they still had their clothes on because they were going to church. And that's it. They came back, and they had their clothes on, and, and their house had burned to the ground. They lost it. But they still had each other. They still had everything. What wasn't in the house? They had a bank account. They had the rest of the family. Here it says Job lost everything. His family, his flocks, his herds, his money. Then he lost his health. And he lost his wife. Job never said, I give up. Job never said, I quit. Job never said, this is too much. No doubt if he would, then, then not only would God kind of have been let down, but I do believe that Satan would have, would have blessed him for it. Because Satan would have won. It said the devil would have won. But Job didn't. Job didn't stop. Job didn't quit. Job did not give up in chapter 42, verse 2. It says, I know. Oh, well, let's catch verse 1 because you don't know who he's talking to. It said, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know thou canst do everything. He said, I know. Regardless of what comes my way, regardless of, of who's looking at me or, or how bad of a day or how bad my knee hurts and my back hurts, my head hurts, or how terrible of a week I'm having, no matter how much I've lost, no matter how much that, that no doubt we may think that we can be mad at God, Job said, I know thou canst do everything. He's in control. And that no thought can be withholding from thee. Verse 5, it says, I have heard thee. By the hearing of the ear. Job said he's familiar. He knows who, who God was. The Lord had spoken to him just before this out of a whirlwind. Job was familiar. He said he'd heard him. But here in the second half of this verse, he said, but now mine eye seeth thee. I know with these two eyes, I can't literally see the face of God. But friend, I can see I see God everywhere. In everything. In the, the sunrise that I accidentally wake up to see. I don't do it very often. I try real hard not to. I let the sun come up and then I start moving. But we see God in the sunrise. We we have animals, we have pets, we have family members that get cured, that are healed. If you study a little bit about biology, you understand that, that these things can't happen by accident. You see the greatness of God. You, you, you see, the Brother Dolan then went to the mountains. You can see the greatness of God because nobody else can make this happen. Oh, a while back, it was in a newspaper when I was in college. Uh, uh, Japanese people had, uh, had, had created an egg, 100% man-made egg. 
and they brought it over here to America, just just showing everybody. And, and it said that, and, and I think it was trying to make a point. I'm not sure if it's real. Don't quote me on this. But it said that there was an old farmer there. And the old farmer walked up to that egg, and he had another one in his hand. He said, uh, what's the inside of that egg look like? He said, well, look, this is a plastic shell, so we're going to take it apart so you can see the inside of it. He said, this is a perfectly 100% edible egg, just like the eggs you get out of your chickens. Farmer said, no, it's not. Dude said, yeah, it is. He cracked it open. He had the yellow yolk in the middle, the white all the way around it. It looked good. It looked just like egg. Farmer said, that don't look like my egg. He wasn't being stubborn. He cracked his egg right next to it. Japanese man looked down. He said, they look just alike. See the, the yellow in the middle and the white around the edges? They look just alike. The farmer said, nope. Look a little closer at mine. He said, you see mine? That Mine's got a little black speck right there on the yolk. It's, it's got a little bitty black speck right there in the middle of the yolk. Japanese guy said, how's that dirt? Farmer said, no, that's life. Farmer said, that is life that you cannot create. That is life that only God can give. I think he made his point. No man can create life. No man can, can reproduce things that, that God has put in order. Regardless of how bad we may want to, we cannot undo what God has done. We cannot do what God has done. It's not going to happen. And, and so we, we get to the point that, that not only do we hear about God, but we can really praise him whenever we see God. We can really praise him whenever we understand what he's done for us. Whenever we understand where he's brought us from. I heard a song on the way over here and I didn't listen to the whole song. But it was a really good one. The name of the song was Dead Man Walking. And it was a, it was a gospel song and it, it talked about but before I got saved I was a dead man walking. Before someone gets saved they don't have anything. Nothing at all. Because this life is, is like a shadow. It's come and gone. And so before salvation, we, we were all dead men walking. We had nothing. We had no reason to praise God. We didn't know that it was a blessing just to still be able to be alive. Just to have another opportunity. We had no idea. And then God saved us. We, we gave our soul to Jesus. We put our faith and trust in his death, burial, and resurrection. And then we had something to praise him for. But how many times do we skip out on that? If we thought about God, not excuse me, I got that backwards. If God thought about us as much as we think about him, what kind of trouble would we be in? I, I hate to admit that, that there's been days that, and not here recently, when I was in college, I, I lost my Bible. You know why? I forgot to read it a week at a time. And so I got up to go to church on Sunday morning, and I had no idea where it was at. I tell you what, that's that's a shad shape to be in. Because God took care of me that whole week. God took care of me every step that I take, every breath that, that I breathe, God takes care of us. And so if he's going to send his son to die for him, for us, why can't we praise him? Why can't we live for him? One more scripture, if you would, Psalms in chapter 51. Psalms in chapter 51. See if I can find it. Psalms in chapter 51. I'm sorry, yeah. 51 verse 12. It said, Restore unto me the joy 
of thy salvation. Too many times we lose that joy. The day that I got saved, I won't ever forget it. I was I was sitting in the church pew right beside my dad, and uh, and whenever I got saved, he had no idea. He was sitting there just watching the preacher, kind of slapping my brother on the back of the head, keeping him awake. I mean, we 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 were just sitting there like on Sunday morning, and I got saved, and he had no idea. But but whenever I got a hold to him and got a, his mama's attention, they knew. I didn't have to tell them. They knew it was written all over my face. And whenever I got home, I, I well. I, I, I had to go up and tell the preacher about it, and I doggone nearly tripped over myself trying to run up there. And I know it's rude to run in church. I ran. And uh, I got home. I called everybody. I got to school that, that following Monday morning, and, and I told everybody. I was so blame excited. I couldn't control myself. I was all over the place. I was telling people what Jesus did for me. I was inviting them to church. How many times are, are we so excited, and we have that joy of our salvation and then a month later, a, a year later, five, six, eight, ten, twenty years later, that joy is is depleted. That joy is like a fire. It's it's a flame burning within us, and if you don't add wood to that fire, it's liable to just simmer on down. And so the psalmist here is, is asking, he said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me. With thy free spirit. Give me back that joy. Let me realize what it is. To see God. Remind me why I should praise him. Remind me. What, what God has done to us. And, and there's a song. It's remind me dear Lord. And I love the song because. And, and we. A lot of times we take for granted that. That everything's okay. Even if it's not. We take for granted that it could be worse. A lot of times we need reminding. A lot of times we lose the joy of that salvation. We, we lose the fact that God didn't have to. We lose the, the recognition that God still don't have to. God has no reason to allow me to live to tomorrow other than me allowing him to use my life for his honor and glory. And so if I'm not going to do that, God don't need me. When we can get ourselves out of the way and, and realize it's not about us, but it's about him, we'll be a little bit better off. And then we're, we put ourselves in a position where we can recognize what God has done for us. Not only what He has done for us, but what He currently is still doing for us and what He will do for us. What He has prepared, what He has laid up for us. And, and friend, if we don't have a reason to praise Him, we might as well not show up here. If we don't have a reason to praise Him, then we are in bad shape spiritually. Because we can read Psalms 150 over and over and over again. We can, we can shout it to the top of our lungs. We can play music. We can scream and holler and just tell everybody about Jesus from now to the day we die. And we still would have not have done enough for God as what he done for us. We still would not do justice because the best that we can do is, is trash. Filthy rags. But God said to give it a shot. God said to... The Bible says to strive for perfection. Give it all we got. Because that's the best that we can do for Him. As for a verse of a song, anybody?